The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Officer Whitney Seibold. I too am a film critic. I'm not really an officer. Uh, I don't have a cute nickname. And uh, boy, howdy, are we back in our wheelhouse? Yeah. If there's one thing we love here at Cancel Too Soon, where we review failed television shows, mm-hmm. it's 1990s sci-fi shows that nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> Short-lived, mid-budget, live-action, hour-long sci-fi TV from the 1990s. Yep, is my bread and butter. Embarrassing costumes, embarrassing visual effects. Writing that is like really in that sweet spot between genuinely clever and really stupid. Yeah, yeah. Some, somehow it's both of those things at it the same manages time. Manages to be both. <laughs> How do you do that? Nineties. It's so great. Uh, so yeah, this is this is a, this is a genre of television, an era of television uh, that we're not going to be satisfied with until we get through every single mm. one season or less sci-fi series in the nineteen nineties, and, and well, we inch ever uh, closer every time. We, we did Earth Two. Yes, uh, we, we did RoboCop. We did Man and Machine. Man and Machine is definitely in there. Ah, oh, what a treat that was! Well, of course, we did Briscoe County Junior. Yeah, we did Legend and Legend, the other Briscoe County yeah, Junior. Yeah, we did. Um, oh, what was that? What was that one with uh, Clint Howard? It was like Galaxy Rangers or some Space oh, Rangers? Was it Space Rangers? Space Ranger. It was just Space called Space Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, we've done a whole bunch of these. There's the and one that Joe Dante did. Um, Oh, it's like Warlord something? Warlords, the Osiris Chronicles? It, was just, or, yeah. it had two titles. One yeah. of them was the Osiris Chronicles, yeah. We did White Dwarf. Not Red Dwarf. No relation whatsoever. No. White Dwarf was uh, frontier medicine. Like, imagine Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman on an alien planet. Yes. Yeah. That and was a treat. And there was, yeah, there's like a, like immortal mutant warlords ruling the dark side of the planet. Yeah, one yeah. one half of the planet is always is always in perpetual night, the other one is always in perpetual day, and also there's like someone who can turn into a cat for some reason, and I have magical surgery gloves that allow me to do surgery without knives. Also, I have roaring powers for some reason. Remember that Paul Winfield had roaring powers? Oh, remember when we did, this is more in the fantasy realm, when we did uh, Heath Ledger in Roar? Oh, well, that that's, I guess it's sort of like... Adjacent, but yeah, it's in I remember, there. I remember Roar. It's, it's a subcategory of 90s mm-hmm. sci-fi, and here we're actually going to be talking about a series that is a swiftly canceled and long-forgotten adjunct to a reasonably successful sci-fi film that a lot of people, at least a lot of people my age, seem to be pretty big fans of. 
this is a TV series uh, inspired by the Jean-Claude Van Damme motion picture, Time Cop. The year 2007. Time travel is a reality, and it's fallen into criminal hands. With history itself at risk, the United States has formed the Time Enforcement Commission, a top-secret agency responsible for policing the temporal stream. So Time Cop, which is based on a comic book from Dark Horse Comics, and I think it was co-written by the creator of Dark Horse Comics. No, like uh, the founder of yeah. the actual company. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then he worked with an author with a writer named Mark Verheiden, and together they worked on the, the screenplay for the film. Uh, well, actually, let me let me look up that gentleman's name because I think he deserves the credit. Uh, oh. It was a thingy that they did. Mike Richardson. Mike, Mike Richardson. Richardson, okay. Mike Richardson and Mark Verheiden worked on a comic book. Uh, the, that the comic com- book became a movie. Now, the comic book was uh, in 92. Yeah. And they turned it into a movie in 94. So it was like... Real super, fast. Super fast turnaround as far as these things go. Yeah, a good high concept, makes sense for a movie. Uh, was, uh, movie uh, was directed by... I think it was, was Peter Hyams did the movie, right? I'm not crazy. Oh, um... Did Peter Himes do the Yeah, movie? Peter Himes. Oh, Peter Himes. Right. Peter Himes, good good uh, genre filmmaker, did a little bit of everything, mo- mostly pretty good. He did um, 2010, The Year We Make Contact, the sequel um, to 2001. Uh, I'm very fond of the monster movie he did called The Relic. Yep. He did. came out the same year as the Time Cop TV series. He did a, he did a really cool uh, sci-fi film in the 80s uh, with Sean Connery called Outland, which is basically High Noon Outland, on a Space yeah. Station. That's a fun one. I haven't seen Outland. Yeah, uh, uh, he did Sudden Death, also starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, and that was uh, Die Hard in a Hockey Rink, hmm. uh, which is surprisingly good, that one, actually. I think it's actually yeah. one of the better Die Hard knockoffs. He did a really solid thriller in the 70s called Capricorn One, which actually co-stars O.J. Simpson, which is weird. Uh, but it's uh, inspired by the idea that the Apollo moon landings were faked. Mm. And so the idea is uh, we're going to send the first manned mission to Mars, and then we find out like seconds before the launch it's not going to work scientifically. They can't make it happen. So they decide to fake it, and then the astronauts break out, and the government has to kill them to keep their secret. Mm. Uh, you know, good paranoid thriller, lots of fun. <laughs> Peter Hines makes pretty good movies, and he made a pretty good Jean-Claude Van Damme film called Time Cop, in which Jean-Claude Van Damme, in the very near future is a police officer who is responsible for policing the time stream. Time travel has been invented. Uh, in order to go back in time, you need basically like a little mini roller coaster ride. They call it a time sled. Yeah. Uh, it's Yeah, it's just a little... Uh little seat it's like a, a crash test dummy track yeah and uh and you run at a wall and like uh, lasers have to focus right on a spot and open up on like on a physical surface yeah. for you to burst through and the the sled goes in uh-huh. but only you go through the sled doesn't go all the way through with you yeah so the, the, the physics of this thing are completely make, make no sense uh, whatsoever it looks kind of cool but it the, makes uh, no sense whatsoever you can't go to the future they actually say this in yeah. in the time cop movie uh you can't go into the future because it hasn't happened yet so mm. uh if you're going to go into the future you just cryogenically freeze yourself I guess but you yeah. can go into the past and wouldn't you know some criminals have gotten a hold of some uh, time travel uh, equipment yeah and they're going back in time to like the civil war and stealing confederate gold and stuff they're just yeah. using it to get rich uh, the majority of time cop takes place like Within like ten years of like when the movie takes place in the future because someone's going back in time to like Rig an election or something, and they have to kill Jean Claude Van Damme's wife to get it. Or... And, the, and the bad guy is Ron Silver, yeah. if I recall. Um, I, I always pissed me off this movie because although it's it's well made, 
It's reasonably fun. Um, not a lot of great Jean-Claude Van Damme fights, per se, but it's not mm. really a fight movie. Uh, my biggest problem was it had all of this potential. Jean-Claude Van Damme traveling through time, getting in adventures, and he never goes further back than the Great Depression. And that's really well, brief right at the beginning. Except at the beginning where we get to see the... the Civil War era heist. Fair enough, but, but Jean-Claude Van Damme isn't even there. No, that's just the bad scene. guy there. And so, uh, One of the conceits of the movie is yeah. uh, if you go back in time and meet an alt, uh, a past version of yourself, right? Uh, something about the fabric of the universe is upset by having the same matter occupying the same space. Uh-huh. So if you are to physically touch your alternate self... Like, like if you like high-five, like, yeah. hey, good goal in high school, earlier me. High-five! Yeah, like, Boom! For, for that moment, you're occupying the same space, and like a, a rend in space-time will like sort of rip you apart and, and destroy yeah. you. Which is important. Not really, it doesn't really come up in the show very often, but it is... It comes is... up once when they can say it was, it was hogwash. Kinda, yeah. And so, um... Uh, yeah, but yeah, my biggest problem with the movie was simply that as a relatively modestly budgeted 90s mm-hmm. movie, you don't get to see, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme like roundhouse kick of Velociraptor. Yeah, yeah, I want to see Jean-Claude Van Damme versus Velociraptors. Like, that's what I wanted as a kid. That's why I paid for a ticket to see it in theaters, because I'm like, okay, you've got Jean-Claude Van Damme going back through time. How can he not fight dinosaurs? And it turns out, if you're cheap as hell... Very easily. Yeah. And he's going to spend a lot of it, like, walking around his own house. Uh, so it's okay, but I always felt it never really lived up to its potential. And so the idea of doing it as a TV series, even on a limited television budget, at the very least opens the show up to a lot more possibilities. So on that note, that's a good idea. Let's do Time Cop the Show. And in 1997, that is what we got. We got Time Cop the Show. Jean-Claude Van Damme obviously did not come back, or you probably would have heard of it by now. Uh, it's... In fact, uh, none, no actors return, nope. and only like the the chief, mm. like the police chief character comes back, but he is played by a new actor. Yeah, uh, so the police chief uh, is now played by uh, Don Stark. You might remember him as the neighbor dad from that '70s show, uh, but uh, he plays Captain Eugene Matichek, who I like to think is named after uh, the the guy from uh, the. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch comedy shop around the corner. Oh, definitely. Yeah, not that that well, really like a, connects to the material in any screen, meaningful way. Writers do that kind of stuff all the time. But like, it's such a uh, specific name. Yeah, you have uh, to imagine. In the movie, that character was played by Bruce McGill. Yeah. and now he's yeah recast. Mm. Uh, the main time cop, mm. not the Jean Claude Van Damme character, is mm. a guy named Jack Logan, yeah. played by Ted King, or maybe it's Ted King played by Jack Logan. Yeah, uh, he, at the time he was credited as T W King. Um, he's best known nowadays for his uh, role in this TV series Charmed. Mm. Uh, I, I but, think he was on a, one of the soaps, one of the big ones. Uh, let's yeah. see here. He was on Charm. Yeah, he was on General Hospital from yeah. 2002 to 2007. He played Louis Alcazar and Lorenzo Alcazar. So I guess he got to play <laughs> twins, which is awesome. That's what you oh, want in a soap it. opera. Uh, let's see here. He was on a run on Prison Break. He was oh, in and, One uh, Life to Live for a couple of years. He was on The Bold and the Beautiful. He's currently on The Bold and yeah. the Beautiful, apparently. So good for him. So, uh you gotta admire the soap actors. Yeah, uh, that, that's that steady, constant, difficult work. Yep. Uh, people make fun of soap acting because it's kind of like one note and melodramatic, but that's that's good work, man. That is good work. It is hard to do. Never mm-hmm. underestimate it. Um, his and and, he, and Ted, I almost called him Ted Logan. Yeah, uh, Ted Theodore Logan. Hey, also time traveler. Oh my god! Oh, that's probably, I didn't even put that together. Maybe that's why he's called Logan. 
because he's named uh, after Ted Theodore Logan from Bill and Ted. Weird things have happened. Um, he is generic action hero guy. Yeah. He's like just sort of like a little bit flip, a little bit uh, yeah. rough hewn, uh, vaguely handsome in a TV kind of way. Yeah. Not very He's, interesting, uh, but certainly a nice guy who does yeah, his job well. Just, just like boilerplate hero character. Yeah. He's, he's just generic played, good guy. All you need is an actor who can play that capably, and I think yeah. uh, I think Ted Theodore Logan can do it just fine. Um, his not really his partner, but the person he he works with the most is Officer Claire Hemmings. She's played by Christy Conaway. Christy Conaway uh, eventually retired from acting to become a successful fashion designer, so good for them. Uh, but you'll probably remember them as the Ice Princess in Batman Returns. Uh, the one who got pushed off the roof. The one who like is there, she was gonna like turn on the lights on the Christmas tree um, like that was and that was I'm watching this I'm like what the fuck do I know her from this is driving <laughs> me up the wall and Batman Returns is what I was thinking she was also in Doc Hollywood um, and a bunch of other things on the in the 90s and then again again retired for fashion design good for them um, that character uh, Claire Hemmings is largely a tech person she is responsible for doing in the first episode we see that she has invented a technology that can like give you all of a sudden like a lot of information about the year you're entering so that if someone asks you hey what's what's the biggest yeah. movie of the year you would know it that kind yeah, of it's, thing it's uh it's like the local slang that kind of deal it's the local it's the le- the same learning device that you would see in um uh, Battlefield Earth okay. uh, where you they just sort of like plug your face into a thing yeah. and it puts all these random images in and yeah. you don't feel like you're learning anything but you can answer questions uh this is a really wonderful device for a time travel cop uh, division to have. It's yeah. called the SEC, uh, or the, or the, excuse me, the TEC. The TEC, the Time Enforcement. Time uh, Enforcement Commission. Yeah. And the Time Enforcement Commission uh, thinks ahead. They want to make sure the time cops are prepared. Yeah. Uh, you're thrown back in time, but you don't know where you're going to land. It's kind of like a random spot close yeah. to where they know uh, a, a time ripple is It's happening. kind of a recurring joke that it's almost always inconvenient, like he's thrown in front of a car yeah. in the middle of a baseball game or they, something. They know where they're going, and their first assignment is to find local clothing. Why is there not a gigantic wardrobe department right. as a part of the Time Enforcement Commission? That makes no sense. That there, is a stupid idea. There should have just been a character whose yeah. idea it was to research and make period clothing. Yep. Or at the very least, you want to dovetail that together, which would have been a good opportunity for the other main character on the show, Dr. Dale Easter, played by wonderful character actor Kurt Fuller. Kurt Fuller's great. Uh, he, yeah. I, I first saw Kurt Fuller in uh, Wayne's World. Yep. He's he, he was Ro- is Rob, my friend. Rob Lowe's uh, uh, assistant character. <laughs> Benjamin is no one's friend. <laughs> he would ice cream flavor. He'd be pralines and dick. <laughs> um, but uh, you might also remember from the TV show Supernatural. He was mm. the mayor's aide in Ghostbusters 2. Uh, he was uh, one of the uh, sleazy executives in No Holds Barred. Uh, he has a regular role on that show Psych. Mm-hmm. Um, so really wonderful character actor. I'm, I'm totally in awe of him. I've always been a big fan. Um, and his his goal, uh, his role, sorry, in the show is uh, to research time travel stuff. He's he's the uh, the the book learning guy. He has an archive. There's this yeah. 
Actually, I like the set for the library because yeah. they go into this room and it's really tall and it's like yeah. just books up the side. And he's just sort of wandering around with yeah. old he's got, magazines and he's stuff. He's got old periodicals. He's And what I like about it is it's set in 2007. Obviously, the, the show was made 10 years prior. So they had no idea what the future was going to look like. They had no idea. The near future, so they had no idea how computer technology would evolve. There's a funny there's a funny gag where this person from 2007 goes back to the early 90s and has to hook up a computer. It's like, oh, they still have male female adapters. And I'm looking at my computer like, yeah, we still do. Maybe, maybe not, I guess Bluetooth came up earlier because of time travel. I don't know. Um, uh, and uh, his job is not just to provide information to the time cops uh, and to do research on the historical period. Yeah. But uh, that's the way the people who are going into the past can communicate with people in the present. And this is actually can, pretty clever. And yeah, they can like place a, a newspaper ad. Yeah. And and just sort of have that run for a day. Yeah. And the archivist can then look up something from, you know, a century in the past and it's still in that newspaper. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. So like, so this is a coded message. This means he needs us to do this in the Uh, present day. And I'm like, Oh, that's clever. I love that kind of stuff. That's really fun. All the causality stuff is really fun. Does it make any sense? No, of course not. It's causality. Time travel makes no sense whatsoever. How it basically works in this show is, uh, if someone, a criminal or someone goes back in time and changes something in anything meaningful, anything that could have a ripple effect and affect history in the future, the present, uh, they have like people in like minority report chairs constantly looking up at this giant computer screen, just looking for time ripples. And the idea, I guess, is and, that and if you that's do... also a pretty cool set because, yeah. uh, it's not like they're not on laptops the way they envision it. It's like it's like something at Disneyland. It's this big yeah. round screen on the ceiling yeah. where the ripples are sort of like emanating from the center and they can kind yeah. of figure pinpoint a time and place where these ripples are coming from. Yeah. Uh, they don't explain the science of a ripple or what exactly it is I, I or think, what the problem with it is. I think it's a bit like uh, who did who did the Sound of Thunder? Was that Ray Bradbury? That was Peter Hyams. No, no, no. The the story. Oh. Peter Hyams actually did the movie of A Sound of Thunder. I know he did. It's a terrible movie, but the original story, <laughs> I think, was Ray Bradbury, right? I, I, yes, I believe it was Ray Bradbury. Okay, the idea of A Sound of Thunder is uh, uh, people go back in time uh, to do things like, okay, we know when this T-Rex is going to die, so we can sell safaris to people to go back in time and kill this T-Rex because that T-Rex is going to die anyway. It doesn't really matter how because it's going to get vaporized by a volcano or something anyway. So no, none of that butterfly effect yeah. stuff. But then something happens. Someone literally steps on a butterfly, and it rather than change the future all at once however it changes the future in ripples like in a pond Mm. and as a result you have time to notice that time has been changed and potentially change it back and that's how time cop works we see that the ripple has been changed we can tell okay wait a minute this person never won an academy award and now they did or something Mm. like that there i know something is wrong because but this periodical from the era tells me otherwise so we know that's what changed we got to go back and fix it before Time is irrevocably changed. I, I saw a funny comic strip recently. Uh, the first panel was a, a butterfly flapping its wings. The mm. second panel was a, a hurricane hitting a house. And the third panel was the butterfly going, ha ha ha, yes! <laughs> <laughs> that butterfly knows what it's doing. Um, 
My only my my one gripe with the show is that again it is a low budget show and mostly mm-hmm. they end up going back to like the twentieth century again. Well, they, they the, go they go back to what they have sets for. Yeah, and this, is, is, this is an old Star Trek trick. Yeah, uh, it, which I'm you know what I'm okay with it. Mostly if, okay if, with it. If, if it had gone do, on longer, hopefully yeah. we would have done more. But yeah, if if you're going if you're working with limited resources and you have a time travel show, I think it this is fair play. Right. And uh, if if you're going to do something kind of clever and also appealingly dumb mm-hmm. with this premise, then this is f- fine well, playground to work in. What I was about to say is what I think they did, and I thought they think they did reasonably well. Not every episode is good, but um, I think at some point they must have realized we can't really afford to throw money at this and make mm. it look really, really cool. So we have to make sure that the ideas that we draw a story around are neat, regardless of timeline. Yes, and we're going to start with the first episode, which is cool. It's a very cool idea well, well, for a character, th- for a story. Th- they need a good, a good recognizable historical uh, mm-hmm. thing to catch you with. Yeah. So we open with, uh, it is the late nineteenth century. We're in Whitechapel, <laughs> and uh, and a woman of and a and a, and a sex worker is uh, being attacked by a maniac with a knife. Oh no! It's Jack the Ripper. Hmm. Oh man! Oh, and then we see like a guy with like night vision goggles there. It's like oh, the and time and cops a sp- gonna... and a space gun. No. And if we think for a second, this is the idea that we're going to see a time cop catch Jack the Ripper, and that would be kind of neat. Like we never caught Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm. so you can just pluck him out of the timeline or something. And then he kills Jack the Ripper, and then he kills the lady anyway and because he, now say, he's Jack the well, Ripper. Yeah, she says, "Oh no! Oh well, thank goodness you killed Jack the Ripper." And he says, ah, "Now I am the Jack the Ripper," and he kills her anyway. Yeah, so basically, so, you're a copycat oh, yeah. who can go back and time kill the original and be the person you want to be a copycat for that's neat. so yeah hooray what a cool idea yeah, i mean it sucks it uh, sucks for victims but like yeah. as a story that's a neat idea we're yeah, doing the, something uh, here. uh time cop has to go back in time uh has to get an outfit he lands above somebody's bed uh, while they're yeah. sleeping in it uh, uh we never really talked about somebody's clothes and ends up having to uh mm. coordinate with scotland yard mm-hmm. talk to other potential victims that who they know are going to die yeah uh, I wish they'd gone into a little bit more the idea, which like I can't save her. Yeah, like I would like to, but I can't. Like that sort of well, Star that, Trek. And that's something that, they said is that we know she's going to die. That's yeah. actually a matter of record. So you know, if if you have a chance to save her, don't do it because that's that. I kind of would. Ripples. I realize that they mentioned that, but I kind of wish they had actually engaged with how difficult that would be. Yeah, like, there's a really good movie Edith, like uh, Keeler syndrome. Well, there's a movie I really like called Source Code. Uh, which is about yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like him more than you do, but uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays like a uh, someone who's volunteered for a program to uh, be part of a time travel thing where there is a major disaster on a train. A lot of people well, died. Well, I, I don't I don't want to spoil anything because okay. the plot goes in weird directions. But what we know at the start is he's working for a time travel organization. He's allowed to go back in time and relive like the last ten minutes before this train well, exploded. They're sort of they what they've done is they've created like essentially an interactive video game about mm-hmm. everything they know that happened in the past uh-huh. and they're just sort of like shunting his consciousness into it or is it but is so, it a video game or is it an alternate reality and for yeah. him it's real yeah well, and so when, he, yeah, when he, he, when he keeps goes trying in, to save the day and he finds out that he can't but to him it's real and the movie mm-hmm. really interrogates what that would be like to mm-hmm. actually identify these people aren't figures to him to everyone else they're they're numbers well, on a spreadsheet they're, like all, they, they're already yeah, dead yeah exactly and what i like about that movie is the way that that movie like and it's basically a big 9-11 allegory where Afterwards, I mean, it was horrible and a lot of people mm. passed away and it really hurt. But like 10 years later, a lot of people look back and it was like, okay, those are statistics now. It's like, no, no, no. That 
was a horrifying thing and it needs to be constantly humanized yeah, and the, yeah. and the hero cannot separate himself from that right. you can tell him there's nothing you can do to change the past but he's living it and he can't mm. unlive it and the, so the, that's uh, something that i feel like time cop maybe could have played with is the idea that i can't change the past but i still feel it because i'm here and i'm getting to know these people yeah and i feel like that you could have gotten some more pathos out of that that's all i'm saying yeah, uh, the, the time cop isn't a uh, terribly rich character, and which is fine because we don't need him to be for this kind of a series. Not really. No. Uh, we need him to be uh, a kind of a generic man of action, and I think he he fulfills that role plenty fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the supporting cast where we get a lot of the the crazy the stuff, and we need yeah. sort of. I complain about this a lot. I've even called it protagonist syndrome, where mm. you need a, it's and even Dickens wrote this way. You need a protagonist who is kind of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. So you can surround them with more interesting characters and you can actually have much more complex incidents if the main character themselves doesn't have a lot of character. That's a problem not, well, because you're always stuck with a protagonist and you're spending your mo- the most amount of time with the least interesting character in your story. Mm-hmm. One, one could argue that even Batman is like this as well. He's very mm-hmm. stoic. And he just, mm. he's, Batman is Batman in every single story, and it's the supervillains around him yeah, who yeah. are allowed to really and, go and in interesting and weird places where in, in Batman has to a, stay in place. In terms of a story, you need to sort of strike that balance. So yeah. uh, that this guy is a little bit, uh, a little bit generic mm. is okay because you're throwing him back in time and we have to do things like establish Jack the Ripper and all mm. these other interesting characters. So he can sort of flipply smile and say like a sort of a, uh, a uh, quantum leap here we go again kind of moment yeah uh the jack the ripper episode mm-hmm. uh is a pretty good pretty thrilling episode all things considered we get a fun like- uh, uh fun supporting term from an actor named william morgan shepherd as inspector wells who has a nephew who likes this time travel uh, stuff william morgan shepherd who we just saw in star trek uh he, oh, yeah. he was um from the episode the schizoid man he was the one who put his I conscious- thought he looked familiar yeah that I old man who put familiar. his consciousness that's, in data's body that's fun um so yeah we talked about that in all our yesterdays um but then the really neat thing here is uh the villain of the piece the person who goes back in time to impersonate jack the ripper and and go on with his kills um you would think that would be just like your villain of the week mm. he is not he's their he fucking back, lex yeah. luthor he's their joker like he's a guy who has he's in the future He's uh, his name is was it Ian Pasco? Pasco, yeah. Yeah, he's pl- he's played by Tom O'Brien, uh, who was in The Accused and The Big Easy. Uh, he was on Smallville for a while. Um, yeah, he, he he at some point in the future, the future for the Time Cop, this guy has access to time travel, and he has been using it for a while. And we're gonna see at least two or three episodes with this guy, and we're gonna see that not only has he been jumping around in time doing horrible crimes he has been getting away with it for a while and a lot of the things that we take for granted about history are because he did shit and didn't get caught Hmm. and that's a scary thought and he actually eventually has a really creepy monologue where he's just like you think you can catch me like i watched rome burn (laughs) i stood at the top of mount everest and saw that planet earth die like i am i have seen everything and done it all and it's like, ooh, I just got chills. That's what a creepy villain. A guy who's like, ooh, like that's kind of cool. So we're gonna sell a lot of him. He gets away in this episode, and then he comes back in the next episode. Now, here's the thing with Time Cop. Uh, the order of the episodes uh, is a little wonky. Now, theoretically, well, we, theoretically, we should the the we're gonna go with the uh, order that they're actually aired. 
But if you watch this show, the show is currently on Tubi. And you can see almost all the episodes there. Uh, nine episodes aired, but only eight episodes are part of the official release on Tubi for whatever yeah, reason. The second episode, for some reason, was not put on Tubi. I don't know why. Which it, the, meant uh, we yeah. went from one uh, Pasco episode right into the next. Yeah, which is good for pacing purposes, but we. Mm. what's weird is that the second episode, you kind of could have put it anywhere, mm. and yet... You just didn't. You just didn't put it in there. And it's a shame because it's a pretty neat episode, actually. The second episode is called The Heist. And this is the one with William Devane. Yeah! William Devane is in this. And uh, there's a there's a bit at the beginning where uh, someone robs... that um, does a famous jewelry heist. And the idea is... Back, back in the 70s. Somebody did back in the heist, 70s. Yeah. And for whatever reason, uh, they never found out where the dude hid the jewels. It's become like this... Like urban legend, true crime. Um, who's that guy who jumped out of the airplane with all that money? Oh, uh, DB Cooper. It's like this DB Cooper yeah. kind of uh, mystery where like no one ever it never got resolved. Hmm. Uh, so it's now decades later. That guy went to jail. That guy got out of jail, and then I guess he found himself a time sled and went back in time uh, in order to get the jewels, basically. Hmm. Uh, so the time cop has to team up with a detective who was on the case at the time and has now aged into William Devane. But when they go back in time, he's played by William Devane's son, Josh. And they and they look alike. They look so. quite a bit alike. <laughs> I, I, for a minute, I was like, wow, the makeup on this show is great. Well, I was going to say that that's really good casting. They cast a guy who looks a lot like William Devane. Uh, William Devane is a really great actor, by the way. Like he doesn't get enough credit for it. Um, he does. He's done a lot of TV. He was on Twenty Four, most memorably. Uh, uh, he, his best movie is probably Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder it's kicks a, ass. It's a movie from the seventies. It also starred a young uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and it's a, a coming home from Vietnam story. This, yeah. A veteran comes home from Vietnam, but he's clearly marked. He's suffering yeah. from PTSD. He, well, he was, he was a POW mm. and he was treated very, very badly. And he's, uh, he's, and he doesn't identify with his wife and child, but he does receive as like, because he was an American hero, he receives this like really big, expensive uh, set of gold coins. It's, it's yeah, it's a yeah. bunch of dollar coins. And a bunch of greedy criminals, uh, they break into his house, they kill his wife and kids, and they like mm. cut off his hand. They, they, they feed, they feed into, a into a garbage disposal. disposal. So yeah. And uh, so uh, he teams so up with his revenge, old war buddy, yeah. played by Tommy Lee Jones, uh, to get revenge. Uh, it is so intense. Like, it's halfway it's halfway to an exploitation film, but it's actually so thoughtful and mm. so good about how William Devane treats his character. And, like, it's just, like, it's, like, half an Oscar movie and half a Grindhouse movie. Like, mm. it's really fucking great. So I'm a huge William Devane fan, and he kills it here. So they go back in time. Oh, uh, look, before yeah. I go, uh, there's a great quote from William Devane. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, about Robert Redford. Okay. <laughs> I can't stand around like Redford. I'm not that narcissistic. Not that photogenic either. <laughs> <laughs> um, they go back in time uh, to try to prevent the guy from James in the future, blah, 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 blah. And uh, there's a moment, I remember thinking this. There's a frustrating thing about uh, the way that most TV shows in particular, but also movies, tend to treat police officers. And this is often in the wake of uh, Miranda rights. Uh, the idea is that good cops are often stymied by bureaucracy, being forced to do the right thing or follow the law. Yeah, so they have to play by their own rules and go off yeah. the road to get the bad guys. Yeah, yeah and it's, and it's morally priorities. justified because they're the, quote, good guy. But mm -hmm. the problem with that is that this creates this idea in the audience's head, because we see it all the time in every cop show and every cop movie, yeah. that uh, 
it's okay for a good cop to do bad things because cops are always right. Mm. But in actuality, in real life, if they were good cops, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't need to do that. Mm. And no good, no actual good person would need to justify police brutality like that. So there's a bit in this episode where they go back in time and our time cop is interrogating someone is not going well. And then William Devane, playing the older version of the cop, like hits the guy basically and he's saying just like it's the 70s we didn't do we we, we didn't treat our suspects well we just beat them up which is like it's 77 which is miranda rights were already in place. it's too late for that but but my point is this i'm watching this and i'm going oh what a what a what a frustratingly immoral show and then two scenes later we see that when they go they find the guy william devane kicks the shit out of him and he's going to steal the diamonds for himself so that wasn't the show saying that that shit is moral that was the show saying that this that's, bad guy that's does what, that that's what a villain does and, and I thought that that was nicely to, uh, handled that was uh, actually you know a good bit of writing I didn't, I didn't think about that that's that was actually a, really yeah. it was a it, that, that's you, you twi- think it's business as usual, yeah. but it's actually a red flag. Yeah, the, the twist in, in the story is that uh, William Devane is now going back in time to steal the diamonds from himself. Yeah. Uh, and indeed, we start spending time with him as a younger man, and we realize that the aftermath of this uh, you know, failed mm-hmm. uh, attempt to recover stolen evidence, and he was investigated, maybe he stole the diamonds. Um, kind of, kind of re- marked him and turned him... In- into like a, a bitterer character yeah and that ended up ruining his marriage and his life ended up basically sucking ever since so you see that like here's how he turned into the bad guy he became uh and uh yeah and then the the dude actually like kidnaps his old wife in order to like mm. force the time cop and he has the time cop has to team up with the younger version of the bad guy to stop the older version of the bad guy and i'm like you know what this is <laughs> william devane is acting the shit out of this mm. everyone's william doing a Devane's good job son is acting the shit yeah, out it's of actually this a pretty good episode i'm actually I, it bums me out that we had to do like due diligence and find this outside the usual means of this episode just isn't in the set yeah, that's yeah, a bummer because well, it's a well done episode. It's it, it's out there. Um, I'm, I'm you can find it online, really easy. Yeah. But like, it should be just on the official set. Uh, I, I can't say why. Maybe yeah. it was. It could have been one of those things where like one of the songs in the background wasn't licensed properly, so mm-hmm. they weren't able to get the the distribution rights just for that reason alone. They <sighs> used a lot of of like contemporary pop in this show. Yeah. Which will come into play in the uh, Al Capone episode, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, the next episode uh, is the uh, Golden Age of Hollywood episode, and uh, the where go- we get to meet Barack Obama's mom. <laughs> yeah, well, they, yeah they, we do actually. They, they say expl- they have to go back in time uh, because uh, a, pre- a U.S. president hasn't uh, wasn't elected president according yeah, the to the forty fourth president, the 44th of, the United president States. of the United States. So they go back in time to. Uh-huh. Uh, Hollywood in the 1950s and it turns yeah. out uh, the 44th president's mom was an aspiring actress in Hollywood and they have to protect her from malfeasance yeah. Eventually she'll marry a senator and she'll yeah. be part of that and world then, and it'll all turn out okay. Uh, they also seem to have modeled her pretty directly after uh, Lana Turner because one of the first things we see is that she is dating like a hunky mafioso and their relationship is destined to go bad and he's clearly based off of uh, Johnny Stampinato. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Stampinato, who was a real person, minor character in the L.A. Confidential. Mm, who uh, worked for Mickey Cohen, who yeah. was uh, 
the Al Capone of the West Coast, I guess. Basically, yeah. He was, the, he was a big mob boss in Los yeah. Angeles. And uh, Johnny Sampanato was a very hunky mobster who was notoriously generously packaged. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he, he dated the movie stars. He, he dated Lana Turner. Yeah, and Boyd, and his uh, story did not end well, if you want to look up that sucker. The, but, uh, um, the 50s uh, detective that the time cop yeah. has to team up with is Cliff Young. I who, love Cliff Young. Who, who I know from Shock Treatment. Yes! Shock <laughs> Treatment is the sequel to the Rocky Horror picture show neither Barry Bostwick nor Susan Sarandon returned they were replaced by Jessica Harper who I'm just gonna say bit of an upgrade at least in terms of singing voice oh my goodness singing oh, no. voice alone uh, Jessica Harper could sing you cannot compare those because uh Susan Sarandon she could sing she just sang not in like a, Jessica she, Harper she sang can. in a higher register Jessica, Jessica Harper had a, better, a very deep singing voice. and she's a better singer I'm not I'm uh, not saying they have the same register I'm <laughs> saying she's a better singer but uh, Barry Bostwick was replaced by Cliff DeYoung and Cliff DeYoung is a Fun actor. Well, and Shock Treatment's such a bizarre film because he ends up playing two different roles. He in plays that like movie. the villain and the hero, and yeah. there's like the long lost twins. And um, yeah, he's he's such a good character actor. Just dips into hero and villain roles really, really easily. Um, Here he's just playing like generic detective guy. They have to, he, he he ends up like because he's going back in time and solving crimes. He ends up dealing with the local law. A lot. Mm. So it's pretty much just a gift to any like character actor who's available this week to play mm. the 1950s cop or the 1970s cop oh, or the 1800s cop. Um, but the other the other cute bit that I noticed here, and I assume this was okay. I don't think they stole this. I assume like they they got okay with this. But um, at the beginning of the episode, they're at the premiere of a fancy movie, and they're at the at a new film starring Don Lockwood and Lena and uh, Lena Lamont. Who are they? So it takes place within uh, the universe of Singing in the Rain. Yeah, but here's the thing, though, and this is the part where it, it pisses me off. Singing in the Rain took place in, like the 1920s. Yes. This episode of Time Cop takes place in the 1950s, and they're going to the premiere of The Royal Rascal, which is a silent movie they made together. So um, we messed this up. It could be a okay, remake, you know but I doubt they'd bring him back. Ripples in the timeline. Must be ripples in the timeline. <laughs> Something weird. It's the only justification here. for it. But anyway, it turns out there's this someone who's been stalking this lady, and um, yeah, like uh, proper creepy kind of yeah, like, like the bodyguard guy has, kind of you know, vibe. Yeah, f- photos up on the wall, kind of thing. Uh, and the time cop has to stop them, and it turns out it's Pasco again because now he's like obsessed with killing mm. a movie star. That's like the the thing he wants to do this week. Uh, I was a little bummed out that it was Pasco. Yeah. Uh, especially because I saw um, the Pasco episodes all in a row. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the heist in between. I actually yeah. watched the heist later on. It looks for a while like it's just going to be the Pasco show. Yeah. Like first, and um, like I, I remember. Episodes um, almost in a row. Yeah. I've mentioned this before. In the, the second of the Harry Potter films, mm-hmm. uh, we learn, you know, there's this, you know, the Chamber of Secrets and there's, there's all these mysteries and the, you know, there's a big snake and, and yeah. we don't know what the mysteries are. And Harry Potter's investigating and he finally makes it into the Chamber of Secrets at the end of the movie. And yeah. and uh, it's revealed that there was a bad guy at, at the heart of this the whole time, this guy mm-hmm. named Tom Riddle. But then it's revealed that Tom Riddle is actually just like a younger version, a of younger Voldemort. version of Lord Voldemort, who was the bad guy from the first movie. It's like, oh well, that's, that's again with creative. this shit. Uh, and I was kind of hoping that the movies, because I hadn't read the books, yeah, we have a different villain each time. Uh, yeah, some different mysterious villain each time, and it was mm. kind of upsetting. Well, the to third learn one that didn't, was, he didn't, uh, he wasn't in the third one. Oh, uh, Voldemort well, wasn't in the third one. But he would, wasn't he part of it? Didn't they mention him a lot? Yeah, but it's the, because of the backstory. But Voldemort himself mm. wasn't the main bad guy. Everyone thought it was Sirius Black, but it was actually Wormtongue. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, so 
You know. uh, but you're okay, right. Okay. I, I'm with you on this. And, and especially when you're so doing yeah, like a serialized television series, keep like, using yeah. the same villain over and over again. Well, like, also, you can build more villains. Serialized. This is this is a great opportunity for a rogues gallery of some kind. If you're yeah. going to have you know a colorful villain each week, do that. Or if you're going to just have generic criminal guy every week, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't all have to be big characters. In fact, that's going to yeah. be the case when we get to the boat episodes. Like those yeah. are just generic dudes. Agreed. Uh, uh, but I like when he teams up with local law enforcement. Uh, my favorite team up with local law enforcement was from episode four because okay. he goes back in time to the 1920s. Ian Pasco goes back in 19. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this time. one's fun. And Ian Pasco, it turns out, already knows Al Capone. They have in an fact, established relationship. In fact, Al Capone wasn't part of history until Ian Pasco went back in time and installed him yes. as the crime boss <laughs> of Chicago, uh, which is fun because basically we're introduced to Al Capone. And we see Al Capone, you know, he's doing his dominant, you know, all those Al Capone stories you've heard. He's, mm. he's basically playing him like Robert De Niro did in The Untouchables, which is fine. Um, and then Ian Pascoe shows up and Al Capone's like, yes, sir. Yeah, he's like really <laughs> deferent to this guy. Yeah. And uh, and Time Cop has to hook up with the local law enforcement, who is, of course, Elliot Ness. Hey! A young Elliot Ness played by Ron Livingston from Office Space. Yeah, so that was actually a pretty good get at the time. Um, uh, in order to establish that this is the 20s, they played like, you know, authentic music, mm-hmm. but it was Squirrel Nut Zippers, which is contemporary <laughs> at the time. Eh! <laughs> <laughs> We played the song "It Ain't You." Uh, I let it go, which which I completely recognize. Yeah, I, I like the Al Capone episode. I like that they, you know, the main bad guy is someone they also can't touch because of the timeline. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like literally re- untouchable. Yeah, and so that this is the episode where we get that great speech from Pasco. It turns out Pasco has a piece of, a piece of future tech, uh, which is like a superior time travel device than to anything they have, and he's got to get it back because they like stole mm-hmm. it from him in a previous episode. Um, all that stuff is cool. Yeah, all of that stuff is cool. all the oh. all the Elliot Ness stuff is fun. Uh, basically, the time cop ends up taking up the Sean Connery role uh, from The Untouchables, where he has to teach this naive Elliot Ness like how to actually be a good cop. Yeah, which yeah. is it's a little silly, but it's fun. And <laughs> oh, it's fun! It's so much fun. Again, I'm fine I, with it. I'm fine again, with all of it. Honestly, you said it really perfectly earlier. It's the perfect balance between clever ideas and like complete stupidity. Yeah. And somehow they they're just they manage to razor ride that line. Yeah. Right down the middle. There's something they introduce here, which is kind of interesting. The idea that because Pasco is a villain from the future, in the present day in two thousand and seven in the show, he's thirteen. That's right. So like and I wish that we'd actually gone on long enough to maybe like meet the thirteen year old Pasco, because it turns out he was actually apprehended at the ep- at the end of the last episode. But he breaks out in this one with the help of his 13-year-old self. Yeah. Which is really neat. <laughs> and I want this, like, 13-year-old Hannibal Lecter type. You could you have, have the same character, just the younger actor. That'd be cool, him. right? I kind of want to see... Like, we never got that. Or if we did... There were 13 episodes, I think 13 or 15 shot, but only nine ever aired. Yeah. So we, 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 we got the nine. Saw, we only watched the nine. That's all that we ever saw. Uh, the next episode is called Rocket Science, which is the obligatory Nazi episode. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm surprised that they're restrained. They waited until episode five. <laughs> well, and I have a theory about and, this and one. He, and here's something I appreciate. Mm. No Civil War. Until later. And even then, really, really and, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it's only like a prologue there's there's we don't have to go back and do the confederacy crap yeah uh but of course we have to do the nazi crap yeah some uh, some some mad scientist has gone back in time in order to (laughs) give the nuclear bomb to the nazis which of course would Um, completely blow up all of history so they have to go back and stop i love the opening scene of this episode where it's all all the the nazi high command are all gathered in a little nazi office and uh 
And this like goth dude with an earring and sneakers comes in with an IBM laptop and flips it open. Is like, hey Hitler, here's some nuclear codes. <laughs> so fucking awful. <laughs> um, this episode is weird because it does something uh, well, rather well, rather odd, and I think I know it, kinda, it tricks you a little bit because well, there's there's a fake out as to who the villain is. Well, there is a fake out as to who the villain is, but I'm actually not I mean, even Hitler's talking about Hitler's the villain. He's actually the villain. <laughs> of but, course, yeah. Hitler's the villain. But the uh, the the person who goes back in time, there is a fake out, and that's handled well. But there is a different thing here, uh, where we are we meet a new character, uh, played I believe by Allison Rice. Uh, her character's name is Amy Fuller, uh, oh, and yeah. she is playing uh, the role that is normally played by Christy Conaway. They come up with some weird dialogue to say that like she's away for a while, and this new character yeah. is her replacement. And I was like, I was like, oh, did we lose the actor? And this is going to be the new star. Yeah. She's here for only one episode. Yeah, which, and it, it, it's odd. I, I'm guessing Christy uh, Christy Conaway wasn't just wasn't available that week. Maybe, or but I'm shooting something else. I have a theory. I have nothing to substantiate this theory, but it's something that we've seen before. Because of the way that this story works, the idea is the time cop goes back in time. Uh, he try, he figures out okay, this weird goth guy with the earring has given nuclear uh, uh, nuclear bomb technology to the Nazis. I'm going to go back in time. He kills that guy. And then goes back in time thinking, okay, I solved everything. But when he comes back, the Nazis won World War II. Mm. And this new character, Amy, is now dressed as a Nazi. She's a bad guy. She points to him. like It's almost like the end of like um, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. She's like, ah! Hmm. And he's like, oh shit! And he has to jump back in the time slide and figure out what went wrong. And it turns out the guy who was dressed up like a modern like neo-Nazi uh, was a decoy to fool a time cop. So a time cop would assume, well, that guy's clearly not from here. Oh. And so there was actually another guy who was actually there. And that and that's clever misdirect. Yeah. But my theory is that maybe, and this is just, I have nothing to substantiate this. I couldn't find any corroborating information. Maybe Christy Conway didn't want to dress as a Nazi. That's possible. We When we saw this in, uh, is the episode called Patterns of Force, the Star Trek episode? Yeah, the Nazi episode. So and and on our show all our yesterdays, on our Patreon, we cover every single episode of Star Trek ever. And there's this one episode of the original Star Trek series called Patterns of Force. And the idea is... It's an insanely tasteless episode. It's awful. It's one of the worst episodes of television ever. And, one, and the idea is that someone has uh, gone to a uh, pre-space uh, uh, technology planet... People just happen to look human. Whatever it was Star Trek, there was a lot of cheap, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of cheap episodes like that where the aliens all just happen to look human. Um, but uh, the idea was they installed Nazi rhetoric, style, and indeed government uh, onto this planet uh, against flying in the face of everything yeah, they, Starfleet believes in. This, this, yeah, yeah, this uh, guy from from Starfleet like yeah. became really enamored of, of Nazism and decided yeah. to install it on this primitive planet and uh, they go to this planet uh kirk and spock have to dress up as nazis there's a young actress who plays like a nazi but she's actually like working undercover to take them down there's a horrible line of dialogue where spock talks about how the nazis were evil but they were impressively efficient Mm. which is a not historically accurate and b fucked up and c in real life Mm-hmm. Uh, both Spock and Kirk were Jewish. Yeah, so Leonard, Le- Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner are yeah. both Jewish. Leonard Nimoy refused to be photographed in his costume, and indeed, uh, the woman who played the one-off character, 
uh, who uh, is the uh, underground resistance fighter who has the dress as a Nazi, didn't know that that was part of the character and quickly left the industry afterwards because she was Jewish, yeah. her family like escaped the Holocaust, and that was absolutely and that was horrifying. Like 67, yeah. so it was so, yeah, a little fresher. So if, theoretically, Christy Conway, who is like one of the only characters... Time Cop has the dress as a Nazi, it's part of mm. the plot. Uh, Christy Conway might have said... I'm not fucking dressing like a Nazi. And if that's what she did, good for her. (laughs) Stand up for yourself. Good for her. And if that's not it, and it was some Mm. banal thing, maybe, but it's weird that this was the episode, and that's the only thing I can think of. Because if that's the case, seriously, good for you, because you don't have to fucking do that. Uh, I think uh, by the the time we got to Time Cop in the late 90s, um, Nazis had become kind of generic movie villains at that point. Uh, I mean, there were still... A lot of penetrating dramas about uh, World War Two and yeah, about we, we were getting you know, the, the list horrors and, of that, yeah. that time. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, the same filmmaker also made Raiders of the Lost Ark and, mm-hmm. uh, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Hitler mm-hmm. is in Indiana Jones and the Last yeah. Crusade, and it's there's played a diff- off as a joke. There's a really huge difference between the way that Nazis are portrayed in Schindler's List mm. and Indiana Jones going Nazis. I hate, I hate these, these guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. It was like you're kind of downplaying the evil of Nazis there, well, Smidge. You know? What I appreciate about yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark is that uh, the thing that kills the Nazis is a Jewish artifact. Yeah, and also God. <laughs> yeah, God. God, God hates kill, Nazis. God will kill the Nazis, which is also great. But um, in any case, so yeah, Nazis are often treated in popular culture mm. as just kind of generic villains because the idea is we all agree that they're awful, mm. which. Fair enough, but also at the same time, after a while, we're not really doing justice and really reminding people of the just absolute atrocities really that were committed I, by them. If they turn, and we're kind yeah. of just, we're just kind of underplaying it a little bit, and you kind of get used exactly. to them being around, if, and if that's not healthy. Movie villains are actually a lot yeah. easier to palate than what the Nazis actually did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, so I, I can understand why a lot of actors would be cavalier about putting on a Nazi uniform and playing a bad guy in mm-hmm. a TV show or a movie because Look, I get it, you know, they're they're just villains at that. And, point. and indeed, if you want to tell a story about even the horrors of mm-hmm. World War II, someone's got to play the Nazis. I get that, mm-hmm. but in a show like Time Cop, where we're just kind of throwing it out there, and if you maybe it's tasteless. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight you too hard on that. I think there's a fair argument that it is. Um, it all ends okay. The time cop prevents the Nazis from getting well, they, the bomb and everything. I, I appreciated the, the villain yeah. twist, though, because uh, it looks like yeah. the villain was like this, yeah. this sort of like hipster young guy yeah. from uh, from from the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out it was like an, an assistant character who's like sort of hiding off to the side. It was actually pulling the strings from behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and the guy who was clearly out of time was just there so that a time cop would assume that was the main bad guy. Yeah. That was clever. Um, the next so episode, not, not just time travel, but they're doing some interesting villain work. As Indeed. Well. And they, and doing villain work that only works with the time cop show. Mm. Like it wouldn't make sense in another program. So that's, that, that is a bit of clever writing. I'll admit that the next episode is called alternate world. And, uh, you knew this one was coming. Somebody goes back in, into Time Cop's own past and mucks around with his past mm. to try to get him uh, to, to follow a different path and be disbarred in the present. Yeah. Uh, and so we get to go back to Time Cop's past in 1989. Yeah. Uh, Good old days. It doesn't look any different from 1997. No, it <laughs> they doesn't. Did, they didn't go out of their way to make it mm. look like 89. What do they have? Like, there's a fake movie in the movie theater called, like, Time Invaders or something. It's, like, um, clearly yeah. supposed to be, like, oh, Time Pirates. 
it time was supposed pirates. to be time cops. Yeah, but I think it was supposed to be time bandits. But I think they decided oh, okay. to just change it up. Uh, it looks really ridiculous. But yeah, the idea is uh, someone's gone back in time to try to kill no, the uh, young time cop. Wait a minute. Time Cop is a universal film. This is a universal program. Back sure. to the Future is also a universal property. They probably could have set, you know, gone back in time to when eh. Back to the Future Part 2 came out. Because that was 89, right? Uh, 89, 90, around there? I feel like, yeah, I think I think 89 was Back to the Future Part 2 and 90 was Part 3. Yeah. Okay. So you just go back in time and watch Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah. Make, it, probably make, be, it, make it cute. You might have to get... I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. There might be reasons. There might not. I don't All know. Right. Um, I know they're it, might just, it might just not have been worth the bother. I suppose not. Yeah, nowadays but, uh, you probably go to all the bother, but in the nineties they don't probably didn't think anyone cared uh, that much. Young young time cop, we get to see rigmarole with prom and shit. Yeah, uh, the, the whole winding, idea is winding road. My pro, winding road. My prom theme. The idea is uh, he's not supposed to go back in time to an, uh, a time and place where he existed because it's just too much of a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his argument was, yeah, but on my prom I stole a car to like pick up my date and I ended up spending the whole night in prison. So I'm in prison that whole time as long as i don't go to prison i'm not gonna fuck anything up mm. but it turns out that someone had already changed the timeline and he wasn't in prison and i was wandering around this very small town like running into himself yeah which is uh, uh could be fun and not uh, a great episode but it could, there's fun stuff well, that could happen there the fun stuff is when he goes back to the present and he's not trusted because he's a criminal yeah. now he's been yeah. framed and now everybody's in pursuit of him and that's yeah. you know they changed the timeline that way uh, I like that stuff. I think that yeah. stuff is pretty fun. Um, and it's a sort of thing where it's the, like they come back in time and he's like, you know, the guy who's trying to kill him is actually like now the top time cop. Right, and this right. guy, and he's like, ah, yes, I've caught our number one most wanted fugitive, regular time cop. And the guy's like, no, wait, the, the past changed. And everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. Like that could ever happen. And I'm like, that could happen all the time. Well, I just there's got to go be somewhere to you've got to be big screen on the ceiling and say, "Look, there's got to be some kind of protocol for that kind of thing where it's like someone's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, listen, I think an alternate reality would has has been created or something." And they would be like, "Uh, well, how do we this, there must be a way to test for that." <laughs> You'd think or they put him under a polygraph at least or I, something, uh, right? There must be something to do because you can't pretend that's not possible. I, I wish I, I never saw the Loki TV series because mm. I know this is a conceit with uh, the Loki TV yeah. show is that uh, time is like splitting off in all these different dimensions all mm. the time and there's this organization that's trying to keep it streamlined. Yeah, anytime there's uh, there's the there's this one correct timeline mm. that is being managed by someone like in the distant future and he is enlisted he's created this uh, time bureau to make sure that any deviation from that timeline any you know any mm. someone who goes off script in history. Uh, that is undone, and that any that branching timeline that would be created is pruned out. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm given the nature of uh, the the MCU, which the, the Loki series is part of. Yeah. Um, there's probably not a lot of deep science talk as to how the like causality works and the nature of time and all that. Kind of is actually. Oh, there is. Okay, there's well, more than you might think. I mean, it's not like and like all time travel. It's not that it's, well I'm thought sure, out. I'm sure but it's like, yeah, this is also a show with like. Alligator basically, Loki, it, basically, it exists to explain why before the Loki show, the multiverse was possible but didn't exist, and after the the Loki show, all of a sudden, all of those branching timelines exist all simultaneously. Oh, okay. So then, there only used to be one timeline, and now there's a million of them. Got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know they did that in Star Trek plenty of times. Uh, yeah. They didn't. Inter- it wasn't until uh, Deep Space Nine that yeah. they introduced the, the Time Bureau in Star Trek, where yeah. there's so much time travel in that show and uh, throughout all the movies, yeah. they had to create this organization to sort of keep tabs on stuff. I remember in that episode they brought up Kirk's name and they just sort of roll over, Kirk. Ah, what a menace! Yeah, 
went back in time all the time. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to see a really heady, complicated uh, sort mm. of rundown as to how time travel, like causality really worked. But uh, yeah, in you know, a show like Time Cop, I, Time want... Cop's not a smart enough show to tackle well, that kind of thing. I, I think they have, but a... they would at least pay it lip service. I think they have a general sense. I don't think here's the deal. Time Cop is a network television show in the late nineties. Mm. I don't think they think their target demographic cares that much. I think that they're trying to find the sweet spot between nerds, like super nerds who will ask these questions at conventions someday Mm. and casual like cop show fans who just want to see a cop show with a twist and don't want to get too caught up in the weeds on all the nerdy shit all the time, because there's Mm. definitely a section of the audience you're going to lose. If you have Dr. Easter go on a five minute rant about how the timeline works. (laughs) So I think they're trying to, and again, we're trying to find that sweet spot between genuinely clever and, and really stupid. For example, we're about to have the Titanic episode. It's technically not the Titanic, but it's techni- but it's the Titanic. They could have, yeah. but this is the same year as James Cameron's movie was set to come out. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, predates the release of James Cameron's movie. And no, it's no, no, delayed. It's, no, it was uh, ninety. No, because this no, was not, late ninety seven. Uh, this is ninety eight. Oh, the, the Lost Titan- Voyage ended up coming out in ninety eight. Okay, so it was shortly after Titanic. Yeah. Um, clearly timed for you know it to actually like connect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you can't say Titanic otherwise. People say, "Oh, that's just a knockoff." We're yeah. gonna say it's a knockoff anyway. And yeah. this is uh, one where uh, Time Cop isn't the main character, really. Not really. No. In fact, actually, it's um, uh, Claire, who yeah, it turns out her Claire's grandmother. Episode, yeah. Basically, there's a there's a ship called uh, what was it, the Empress of the Sea? Yeah. Uh, and it's basically Titanic. It crashed. It's all very mm-hmm. tragic. Uh, and uh, Claire's grandmother was on it. And so she knows all about it. And so even though there's a potential risk of changing her timeline, she's the resident expert in the thing. So she goes back in time with Time Cop uh, to prevent a potential disaster from time traveling criminals who mm. take over the ship Die Hard style, send it on a different course, and plan to blow it up. And the idea is. The Titanic or the Empress of the Sea or whatever, uh, it was shortly before the war broke out. And there was a millionaire, billionaire, whatever, an entrepreneur who was secretly squirreling all of his gold bullion out of Europe. And so if they sink the ship in a place where they know they can get at it in the future, forcing them to change its course, then in the future, they can get salvage rights and just dig it up and get all that gold. Clever. Actually, pretty clever. Yeah. Like it's 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 a lot. <laughs> like that's it's a tall order, but like it's actually like kind of a neat idea for a story. And so we get Die Hard on Titanic, which you just don't get that often. <laughs> Even Speed Two Cruise Control, it's like if okay, but if it was Titanic, you've got something. Yeah, um, I love the grandmother character. We uh, yeah, she's cool. Clara gets to meet her grandmother, and her grandmother is, is fucking awesome. She yeah, she's just like. Sassy and stands up to She's people. She's like Agent Carter from the MCU. She's just a total badass. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Claire's experience with her grandmother was she met her grandmother when she was an older woman. And yeah. she was, like, a, a lot calmer. And, it, yeah. uh, you know, it was sort of like a baking cookies yeah, kind she, of she'd settle down. Yeah, she'd um, settle down, yeah. So she actually had this, like, really cathartic moment talking to her grandmother and sort mm-hmm. of getting to know what an interesting, exciting person she was. So yeah. there's actually a lot of scenes with the grandmother. Yeah. 
and that's and that and, uh, and that adds an actual mm. human element to this story, yeah. which otherwise and, just would have been a neat one-off episode. Uh, and she's actually the one who puts the villain in his place. Yeah. Uh, he like he says something about you know oh all of these he makes some sort of crack about class. And the grandmother character gets to sort of take him to task for that. Yeah, and uh, her grandmother, by the way, is played by Melora Hardin, who would go on to star in The Office and Monk and Transparent. So she's had yeah, a, oh, she's a, had a long, long interest. Yeah, so you know, I, I don't know if she was like anyone of note yet, but either way, good get. Hmm. Um, so that was a pretty cool episode. The next episode is called DOA, and it opens. With Time Cop, I just like thinking his name is Time Cop, by the way. Jack uh, Time Cop. Jack Time Cop. Uh, Time Cop and his boss, Matichek, are killed. They're d- yeah. They get in a car together to, like, because the guy, because his boss's, like, car is in the shop, he's going to drive him home. And uh, they are killed. Someone shoots a rocket launcher, like, into their car. And they just blow up. And then Dr. Easter and Claire are just like, well, this is horrible. And Dr. Easter's just like, yep. Get in the sled. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, we're not supposed to do that. It's like, yeah, but we're gonna. And she's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, they, so they go back in time to earlier that day. A couple day. Yeah. Well, just earlier that day. Just early because they need to make the tiniest ripple possible. Yeah. They can't affect too much. And they and she she goes out. She tells him, like, okay, listen, at the end of the day, you're going to be murdered. We, we know very little because we just popped in the time cop machine okay. immediately. The wonderful scene where they, like, no. she looks through the... the, uh, the Shades at her, uh, the window blinds yeah. at herself in the opposite office. It's like that. That look, see me. Yeah, I'm, I'm here from the future. Yeah, like the and, end of the day. And um, yeah, and but but what I like about it is Time Cop immediately. It's like okay, I have six hours to solve my own murder. He tries to find the most likely suspect. It's a guy who was recently paroled that he put away for time crimes. Uh, he arrests him. He has no actual reason to. And so his boss is like, you can't just arrest that guy for nothing. That's that's bad time copping. You can't do that. At which point time cop says, we're going to die in six hours. And this is a whole thing. And time cop's boss is like, shit. And I do like how they talk about how we have to do this as discreetly as possible. Because if we change too much right now, we could just end up dying later tonight or in a different way and we can't even prevent the death we're trying to avoid so we have to be very very careful not to let on that we know <laughs> not to change our like our schedule too much or anything um and uh, yeah it turns out it's the daughter of someone his boss put away who's all pissed off Hmm. And she tried to hired, got a, hired an assassin, hired an assassin yeah. to kill him, and so they they had to fight him off and everything like um, that. But it's a it's the only episode where we really get to know Time Cop's boss at all, and we find out that he's like a little strange from his son because of a divorce, and you know it's not it's not Shakespeare, it's not even well, as the world turns, but it's at least again, a little something where we get a, a sense of his character. We're on episode eight of the show; it's mm-hmm. right re- still really early in the show, and mm-hmm. um, this what Time Cop has been doing has been giving every character their due. Uh, I pre- it's not just the Time Cop show. It's actually mm-hmm. about the whole team. It's a little bit more of an ensemble, and I appreciate that. Yeah. This is the first episode where they started, and I'm guessing this was an X-Files note mm-hmm. from the studio, saying there needs to be a will-they-won't-they they sexual tension between Time Cop and Claire. Well, the one thing is in... Al- <clears throat> we mentioned, we skipped past it, but in alternate world, when he's in mm-hmm. the alternate version where of the future where he's a fugitive, he kidnaps Claire, convinces mm-hmm. Claire that he's a good Time Cop for another oh, reality, and, and, and they have sex. Yeah. But when he comes back to the reality of it, they don't have that connection anymore. Mm. And indeed, at the end of this episode, when the timeline changes, he at the beginning of the episode, he and Claire are supposed to go on their first date together. Exactly. And at the end, yeah. because of all the shit that happens, they end up not doing that. Mm. So it's a little tragic, isn't it? I, I, I I'm always get impatient when they try to uh, develop romances yeah. in uh, 
workplace shows. Impatient as in you want them to just get down to it and get to the romance or just not bother? Not bother. I, yeah. I, I find their dynamic to be a lot more interesting when they are friends and coworkers. Yeah. And how they uh, learn to work really well together. I yeah. feel like romance, it's sort of like killing off a main character. Mm. It's a clear sign that the writers don't have very good ideas. See, I, here's what, I have a very different, I used to think that way. Yeah. And I, sometimes that's the case. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dispute that. But mm-hmm. what I wish they would do more mm-hmm. is. Um, I remember speaking of As the World Turns. Um, I used to watch As the World Turns a lot with my mom. Uh, I it was her show, and I got really really into it. And one thing that I noticed on As the World Turns, it was a daily one hour soap opera. A lot of time to fill. A lot of characters. They would tend to do this like one ongoing like. They would cut between four different storylines. And every week you'd be like one storyline, but it would only move forward so much because theoretically someone could miss a Tuesday episode and you don't want to get so far behind on the show. They never watch it again. Hmm. So Thursday, if you miss Tuesday, but you watch Wednesday, they haven't moved forward so much. You can't follow along. So there's only so much movement that could happen at any time. And at any given time, there are always like three storylines where like someone's trying to keep a secret and we're just waiting for that secret to, to bubble, to boil over and for the big secret to be revealed. At some point in the writer's room and as the world turns, on the turn of the century, 99, 2000, somewhere around there, there must have been some kind of fucking revolution because all (laughs) of a sudden, storylines went quick. Okay. Where someone would be like, oh my God, I can't believe I kissed my boss. How can I ever, I can never let hold in. You know what happened was TiVo. People could tape episodes and catch up. So what happened was like, all of a sudden it was like, oh no, uh, I, I kissed my boss. I can never tell Holden. And normally there would be like three, four, even five weeks of milking that. What happened? Next episode you told Holden. Wow. Oh, shit. And the story wasn't hurt. It just moved (laughs) faster. You don't need that all the time. So what I am sick and tired of in a lot of TV, and still to this day, is that will-they-won't-they romance. Here's what I would like to see happen at least more often. Not every time. It would just get get just as stale. Hmm. Let's say you have two characters, they're played by hunky, attractive actors, and you want they have some sexual chemistry and you want to capitalize on it. They the once they acknowledge they have sexual chemistry, they go out on a date. And mm-hmm. then they date for a while. And then it either works or it doesn't. And then like, if they break up, then you've mm-hmm. got that breakup tension, which makes it fun. Or if they're together, guess what? People don't stop being interesting when they're in a relationship. <laughs> if it's a good relationship hmm. between people with strong personalities, you'll get the same hmm. banter. You will get the hmm. same tension. It will just change a little, and that's okay. Here, here's, Hooking up or, doesn't make you suddenly boring. Here, or I would, would like to see this. Uh, they're coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be in the office every day. How about this? They're attracted to each other. They hook up. And then they're just friends again after. Yeah, that would also be fine. And they don't need to keep on pursuing this weird sort of romantic tension. It's yeah, like, they got okay, out of their systems. It's like, we, this we is cool. Together. That you was what? fun. We're friends. Let's yeah. just keep on being friends. That could also be fine. My point is this. the Going back to the same tired well, mm. will there, won't they? And then we'll finally let them get back together in the final episode after some false starts are like, oh no, I'm finally free from my horrible relationship. I can finally date Claire. Oh no, I'm one day too late. Claire accepted that marriage proposal and now we have to wait a whole fucking season for that to fizzle out. (laughs) And then it turns out Claire gets arrested in time jail Mm. and now we're fucking, like, it's always the fucking delay. It's 
arbitrary, it's annoying. What if you just let it move forward and saw what happened? That would be so quietly revolutionary, it would blow people's minds <laughs> and you could just move on with well, the story. I think by now there there have been plenty of exceptions to the rule. Not as but, many as I'd like. Uh, I, I just wish that they would start with, they won't. Go yeah. in the will they won't they question and yeah. uh, have their relationship developed that way. I, I'm the reason I complain about this is because there are so few stories about uh, coworkers who have a lot of like romantic or sexual te- uh, tension, uh-huh. and it's about their friendship, yeah, and about how they aren't interested in dating each other, yeah. Even if there is some romantic or sexual tension, they're both attractive people, yeah. You can be maybe attracted to a friend and say to their face, I think you're really attractive and just keep on being friends with yeah, that person. It is okay. Uh, you can have, and you can have and, a healthy, and that kind yeah. of depicting that kind of relationship, I think would be a lot more interesting. And I think it's healthy. I think it's true to life. I think it would be nice uh, to have more of that. I agree. Yeah. I, so, if they'd gone that direction, I would have been happy I, too. I, I was a little bit, uh, kind of rolling my eyes a bit when I guess trying, I'm just, to, trying to set up especially this early in the show yeah. this romantic tension between Claire and Mr. Time I guess Cal. I'm just sick of the idea that people in a relationship are inherently less interesting than people mm-hmm. who aren't like yeah. I, well I, it's it, it's that, a cliche that's, that's an old writing cliche it's an old writing cliche and I'm sorry I, I, I question how many successful relationships you've been in if you consider being in a relationship synonymous with being boring uh-huh. it doesn't have to be uh, a really good example of this is a show that's currently on the air. I'm behind on it, but I love what I've seen so far. Superman and Lois. Oh, Superman, Superman and Lois, it, it skips past the whole, we're at the Daily Bugle, you don't know my secret identity shit. They're married and they have two teenage kids. Hmm. They're really interesting. <laughs> the family dynamic is really interesting. Their marriage is really interesting. It doesn't prevent him from being Superman. It just creates different kinds of problems surrounding it. It's a really great show. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite version of Superman in a really yeah, yeah. long time because it's about the relationship. Well, I think you can uh, have a relationship and make it be interesting. And, and this is going off in the weeds a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we, we think, should get back on topic I, I, in a minute. Just, but, yeah. a, just for a minute. Um, yeah. The reason uh, a lot of shows are written that way is a lot of shows, and this is still true in Hollywood to this day, try to court a, a younger audience. Somebody who has a lot more mm. free time and uh, disposable income, presumably. Sure. Uh, and a lot of younger people aren't married yet, or, uh, they're, or they're still single. And I think the idea is the default audience for most mainstream entertainments are young single people. Yeah. So the idea of depicting people in relationships uh, is parents. That's what your parents are doing. I guess. It's, I... I, so I think that's why we tend to see so many stories about people entering relationships and not people maintaining them well, and, because and, they're, they're trying to reflect the life experience of the people in the audience. And their assumption yeah. is that the people that are watching are single. Well, I, I, and I appreciate that. And that makes a certain amount of sense to have that perspective. My two counterpoints mm. uh, is that if we consistently show being in a relationship as not something uh, normal or positive, then we're just kind of presenting well, that idea and that's unhealthy. It, it's seen but, as the end of the story. It's the happily ever after thing. But people's lives continue and you don't, yeah. want, to, you don't want people to equate finding a positive relationship, if that's what you want, to be with the end of your story. That could be the beginning of your story and I think we're missing out on a lot of dramatic possibilities from that. My other counter argument is this. The idea is like, oh, like a lot of our audience is young and we need to make sure that we reflect their uh, their their reality. Also, most of our audience is time cops. <laughs> that, that's, like at some yeah. level we're accepting that they can handle shit that doesn't happen to them in real life. 
But uh, I, I digress and we should move on. The final episode that aired of Time Cop is, it's huzzah, the Bruce Campbell episode. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, God. Okay. Uh, uh, skipping ahead a little bit. I, I do like this show a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so my jam. It's this, very you. This, I remember watching this guy. Whitney's going to love this. It's this type of writing, this type of tone, even the, the corny, awful opening theme song. Uh, it's pretty it's, bad. Yeah. It's so, pretty bad. Do, 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 the production, pew, 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 the production pew, pew, design is so fucking 90s. It makes me want to slap myself. The, the cop outfit is the dumbest looking shit where they have this like big, like oversized yeah. leather vest over like a gray sweatshirt. Everyone's name uh, is embroidered over their heart. Like their mom did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, what? <laughs> but it turns out time cop has a, a friend and I think he's his ex partner played by uh, yeah. Bruce Campbell. And yeah. they have to go back in time uh, because Bruce Campbell has become involved in this. Uh, it's like the stock scheme of some yeah. kind. This uh, wicked billionaire is trying mm. to manipulate stocks to make himself even richer uh, in the future. I honestly feel like the way this episode opens makes me feel like it was probably like should have been the pilot. Because <laughs> it opens with the time cop seemingly has a partner. Hmm. Makes sense. You might want a partner. They're, they're uh, in the Civil War. They prevent uh, modern... Uh, white supremacists from uh, mm. killing Ulysses S. Grant, uh, which fine, you can do that in a field and a tent and a couple well, of costumes. Also, yeah. I, I appreciate that we're not getting the what if the Confederacy won the uh, won the Civil no War. No one wants that timeline shit. because that happens like in a lot of time travel. And it's shows. really it leads to a lot of gross possibilities. Mm. We don't we don't want to fucking want. Also, so with the Nazi thing, but we only saw that reality for like two minutes in a room. Mm. I don't want to see the actual reality of that. It would have been horrifying, but. Um, I'm not going to say they did it tastefully or tactfully, but... At least they did it quick. The, the, it's it's a pulpy adventure kind of yeah. show, so I'm okay with the way they handled I, it. I think mostly okay. But in any case, uh, that's just the prologue. And then, yeah, it turns out they're, uh, they're actually having some tech problems at the TEC. Uh, their time travel devices aren't working properly. And it may be because someone has gone back in time and sabotaged the company that provides them with their tech. So they have to go back in time to the early 1990s at the start of the TEC. They go back in time to the building. It's before it has actually been hooked up as the TEC. So it's just basically a sled and some computers. Bruce Campbell but, is a fuck around kind of guy. So he dumps uh, it. Yeah. If you'll notice, it's this the TEC from the movie. Yeah. Because the, they ch- they changed the design for the TV show. Uh, yeah. the, the sleds are like enclosed things. Now they have two seats, so two people yeah. can go back in time. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, it's, they built a TV set. When they go into the previous uh, TEC stuff, uh. it's I think it might have even been the old movie set. That would be cool. Or, if that or, was they, the or case. maybe they still had some props left they, around. From, or they just uh, tried to recreate it. That's clever. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Campbell was fucking around. He gets in the old time sled. And, Everything boots up suddenly, and he is lost in the time stream. And so, well, they, so he's essentially dead. So they spend like half the episode trying to figure out how Bruce Campbell died. What is behind this conspiracy? And then eventually they realize that. Bruce Campbell is actually more of a cad than they realized, and he is embarking on a scheme to basically go back in time and buy stock in early time uh, machine shit mm. long before anyone knew it existed, so that he could become a billionaire. Which yo, that's pretty pretty seems, obvious. Seems way like to a use victimless it. crime, but you know, it's it's oh. clearly not honest. Well, they 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 actually have a good conversation with that, like the the boss and Easter are talking about how. Yeah, okay, it might not seem like a big deal, but when you think about it, like, the Treaty of Versailles was just a sheet of paper, right? Mm. Like, so, like, who controls time travel parts? 
could also, potentially have a gigantic hmm. effect on the history in the future. And, and also consider uh, that, that cash is a limited resource. There's yeah. a lot of it, but you know it's yeah. not infinite. So hmm. uh, a billionaire hoarding a bunch of wealth is going to affect a lot around him. Uh, the billionaire in question in this episode, whose uh, livelihood Bruce Campbell is fucking with, is played by an actor I really like named Keith Zarabika. Uh, he was. Oh, uh, it's not familiar to me. He's he's mostly a TV guy. Uh, he was the main uh, villain of I think Angel season three. Okay. Uh, and he was great. Like I'm a big fan. I think he's a really really good. He's got a great kind of a weirdly high pitched gravelly voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always got a good presence. I just really like him. Um, he played the voice of Laserbeak in one of the Transformers feature films. Yeah, he does a lot of voice work. He's got a mm-hmm. cool voice. Um, so yeah, fond of Keith Zerabica. That's just that's just a noteworthy shout out. Anyway, uh, it boils down to uh, Bruce Campbell. There's a bit where they talk about he's bad, but how bad is he? And the time cop's like, yeah, I buy that he would like cheat in gambling or like try to like do a stock market cheat. I also don't think he wants us dead. Like, and in the end. Bruce Campbell does actually take a bullet for them mm. because he's he's corrupt, but he's not evil. Because he's, yeah. he's Bruce Campbell, and you want to bring him back someday. And indeed, he kind of vanishes into the time stream again, so that eventually he will be able to come back someday. He's gonna have a recurring role. You, he has to. And Bruce Campbell, he's he's totally just Bruce Campbelling it up. He's you know, a, yeah. a, a bit charming, a little bit untrustworthy, mm-hmm. uh, very very funny, uh, not. Not going to out-dashing the hero. He could, though. Like, if this had actually starred Bruce Campbell, it might have been a slightly stronger show. Because I like T.W. King fine. Uh, Bruce Campbell's just a more charismatic actor. T- yeah, T.W. King is... Well, and hes I don't think he's being asked to provide a lot of like no. overwhelming personality. No, it's just he's a shame. He's sort of it... like this, this flip kind of cool guy. I, when you think about time travel television, I think the first thing a lot of people think of is Doctor Who. Yeah, And the thing with Doctor Who, different show, obviously, very different show. But what that show, I think, proves is that the protagonist of your program doesn't have to be a blank slate. They can have a really strong personality, hmm. and you can still get a lot of really exciting programming out yeah. of it. Uh, well, um, Doctor Who had the advantage of, you know, a lot. They, they spent many, many years sort of developing what the whole premise of the show was and who he was. So by mm-hmm. the time... Uh, you, if you're going to catch up with it in like the mid 2000s mm-hmm. when they rebooted the series, mm-hmm. uh, there's if I feel like it's a lot of it's part of the conversation already. You don't have to explain a lot anymore. Yeah, fair. It's like what a TARDIS is, or you know how it functions, mm-hmm. or why it's bigger on the inside. I recently watched uh, for the very first time the original pilot, like the first oh, pi- from the, the first episode, the first episode of Doctor Who. I was surprised at how how much in place it was first episode. Okay, like a lot of the details, like he was an alien and he can change shape when he dies. I can like that hadn't happened because that wasn't important yet. But just the basic premise and the basic personality of the show and the attitude the character had and okay. the attitude towards time travel, it's kind of right there from the beginning. I was kind of impressed by how well together it was considering what a bonkers concept it was when it came out I feel like Time Cop is trying to because this is mid 90s sci-fi they're all yeah, trying to and, rip off Star Trek and uh, so they're, go, they're and, going and, for, and a little bit X-Files too a little bit of X-Files yeah. definitely I think they're going for a little bit more of it being an institutional show it's more about the Time Cop uh, Law and Order is another contributing factor to this sure uh the institution itself is also kind of a character in the show. Yeah. The, the TEC is one of the things we want to sort of delve into. And mm. uh, as such, we're developing in a whole ensemble. Uh, Doctor Who isn't about an organization. It's about a guy who has a thing. It's a superhero show. Yeah. Uh, the Time Cop, 
could be called a superhero. He's he's a, a, an enforcer who has time travel powers. Real fast, because someone's going to complain if I don't mention it. In the yeah. 70s, he teamed up with Unit, and for like three or four seasons, it was that show. Fair enough. Just, just, just to be just to be thorough. Not at all familiar with Don't I don't need you to write in. Doctor. I knew that. I, we I, can uh, move on. Anyway. My, my first exposure to Doctor Who was that American TV movie. From the Actually, 90s. mine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back eventually. But yeah, mine too. This this was back when Doctor Who was uh, on public TV in the United States. Yeah, it was on PBS. So it was on PBS, uh, and I think it was on like in the middle of the night. Yeah. So only really aspiring nerds could <laughs> get a hold of Doctor Who back yeah. in the 90s. Uh, so yeah, because this show is so institutional and vocational, uh, I think it's... I'm not trying to make excuses for the show, but I um, I am I do understand why they took the approach they did. It's doing a different and thing. I, think, I appreciate yeah, it's, it's doing yeah. a different thing. So uh, giving the lead character too much personality would have him overshadow all the other characters in the show. You need it to sort of be a little bit more well-rounded, a little bit more balanced, mm. and you need that sort of one action guy who is none too bright and will follow orders, and that's our main character. Fair enough. Uh, and that's a perfectly decent way to to base a show. Mm. Um, so the remaining episodes of Time Cop were not released. I don't know how much they were filmed. They were only written if they were just not edited together. Once the show was canceled, uh, what's the point? Uh, there is a quote from, uh, Mark Verheiden, uh, who, uh, co-created the character and, uh, was behind the movie as well. Um, and I'm going to read it now about the cancellation of Time Cop. There was, it, the ratings weren't good. The advertising wasn't awesome. Uh, Mark Verheiden said, quote, In 2020 hindsight, I wish the show had been darker and grittier, both in terms of the storytelling and stylistically, but we were trying to deliver an 8 p.m. show. That meant doing something suitable for children, so gritty wasn't going to happen. We were just getting our Sea Lake story-wise with our last episode, which was a sweet story about uh, Don, Char- Don Stark's character, Matichek, trying to reconnect with his teenage son. That was the second last episode, actually. But we were canceled as that episode was wrapping production, and that, as they say was that the character of uh, Jack Logan from the move from the show did and end up in a couple of books. There were like, yeah, spinoff novels. There's a couple of spinoff novels. Uh, the, the Jack Logan books were called scavenger vipers spawn and blood ties. Uh, so if anyone wants to check those out, you can, I'm sure they're not, they're probably not super, you know, like super available, but I'd be surprised if there's like a big market for them. So if you find them, I'm sure they're not very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that's basically been it for Time Cop. There were a couple of, I think, straight to video, made to TV movies just to cash in on the uh, on the brand. There was some talk recently of rebooting it, although to the best of my knowledge, that hasn't gotten off the ground. Um, so yeah, the question mm-hmm. I guess ahead of us is. Was Time Cop canceled too soon? Definitely. There's so yeah. much more you could have done with this show. Yeah, I the, feel, op- the opportunities like the, are kind of limitless, the, literally. Like I said, it's a little bit corny. Uh, it's it's not very dark or edgy. I would, don't want to see a, a Time Cop show that's dark and edgy. I want to have fun with something like this. Yeah, you want to be uh, able to you want to be able to get serious for an episode once mm-hmm. in a while, but you also want this to be you, you want escapist time, weird yeah, nerd you, shit. You want time travel to seem like something fun and interesting, and you know, bring up a lot of interesting questions about causality and, and history. Uh, Kind of like um, uh, John Eric, the John Eric Hexum show, um, mm. ta- uh, Voyagers. Voyagers. Yeah, that's just like that. Voyagers. Go to your local library. Look up stuff about history. That's a, that's a show that skewed a lot younger. That's a show for uh, like littler kids. I think this one's a little bit more adolescent. Uh, but it, at the same time, we're having fun with it. 
Yeah. Uh, and everybody's having a good time and everybody's kind of up and upbeat. And I like that about the show. Yeah. Uh, and it's a time travel show about going back and visiting interesting points in history. Yeah. You're not going to run out of that stuff. No. Where's course. the, where's the Woodstock episode? Where's the, <laughs> where's the old West episode? And we've had other time uh, travel shows, even in America mm. since then that have tried to do this kind of time cop riff. Mm. They're hard to keep going because they're expensive. That's, that they're is just, an issue. They're, they're expensive. Even, even mm. the cheaper episodes tend to be expensive because you still need costumes. You can't use the same set every single week. Yeah. You, every single episode is a bit of a production. And that must be frustrating because, on one hand, that's why we're here. We can do anything. Mm. On the downside, doing anything is expensive. <laughs> so you've got to it's kind of even, rein it in. Even and when I, you're doing a time travel show on a budget, yeah. uh, you're, there's still a lot of resources being used. But so what this I appreciate one is, isn't like a hugely expensive show, right? But it's expensive enough because they need a different setup. But what I appreciate about Time Cop the series, and it's something that. The movie, again, the movie's fine. It just, you know, there's so many... It writes so many checks it can't cash. There's just so many things, so many possibilities there that the movie could never do in an hour and a half unless I was writing it. And I could just put every single thing I wanted in there. Like, you're never going to get it. There's too many possibilities they can only handle so many. With the show, there's an infinite number. And yeah, you're going to save your budget for the occasional big episode. But what I appreciate about Time Cop the series is that even the small episodes tended to have neat ideas that extrapolate from the basic premise of the series. Yes. We have this technology, what if this? What if a criminal went back in time specifically to do this instead of the usual shtick? What if the time machine broke in a certain way? Like, there's... They they knew how to mine the core concept for material that wasn't always super expensive. And I appreciate that. And I think they did a pretty good job. So... In the end, I think it gets better as it goes along. Like, the first couple episodes are a little clunky, but the ideas are always sound. Um, as time goes on, yeah, I actually think the show gets better, and I think it is canceled too soon. Should it have lasted a really long time? I kind of want to see one or two full seasons to see mm. if the crew that they had put together could keep it together for that long, because coming up with nine good time travel episodes is a little different than coming up with 44 in two years. Yeah. Well, like, I'm curious if they can keep this pace going. Here's how, well, and this is this happens with most ensemble shows. They grow over mm -hmm. time. How many core characters we start? We had Time Cop, we had, uh, uh, mm. we had Claire. Uh, yeah, Kurt, 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 Kurt Fuller and his boss. We essentially yeah. had four main characters. Yeah. Uh, and then we threw, but we also already threw in Bruce Campbell. Mm -hmm. There was an, uh, the other Claire. Uh, yeah, there was, the, a, I, Easter had an assistant in at least one episode. Yeah, I so, think it was the last one. We just never got around to doing more with them. Some of these like background extras that they're hiring just to sort of walk around in the back, they're going to start drifting into the, the viewer's eye and yeah. they're going to start getting their own personalities. The more characters you have, the more interesting characters you can have to react to different time Frames. Uh, there's something we used to do, and we haven't done it a lot lately, mm. uh, which is we talked about if this series had gone on for 100 episodes, mm. what would you like to have seen? Is there an episode of Time Cop in your head that you would have liked to have seen based on what we saw? Oh, like a character um, Because I, I have one. Okay. And I'm curious, because one thing we never saw in this series was Dr. Easter go back in time. Okay, yeah. We never have it. I would like to see an episode where Dr. Easter goes back in time and gets stranded and has to build a time sled. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. That yeah, would be kind of fun, like kind of like a mm. kind of kind of like a Back to the Future three thing, but you or put but, him in a different era. Or he he is the um, 
he's the research guy, right? He yeah. likes the books and he likes the periodicals. And uh, he gets to go back in time all the way back to the Library of Alexandria. Oh, and he has to watch it burn down because he can oh, do nothing to stop it. Big tragic cool. moment for him. I know, I yeah. know. That's I've always wanted to do something with that. I thought that would be a cool idea. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I like so that too. The, the, all these characters could go back to periods in time that are relevant to them. Yeah. They're great. Uh, yeah, yeah. be cool. And and wouldn't it be keen if yeah they go back mm-hmm. in time and oh by the way they they don't bring their sleds with them oh we didn't mention this they have these little wristwatches yeah they can kind of tap and, and then they back, go back, back to, to the, a portal and then when they arrive they arrive in the sled it's a little convenient but whatever <laughs> yeah they're like zooming back the other the opposite yeah. direction I want to see time cop in a gladiator arena I'm bummed we never got that yeah we didn't go back to ancient times no. the, the the furthest back we went I think was the Al Capone episode uh was the night, well, the civil war civil war oh civil war we briefly. very briefly we did yeah. the civil war that was I think that's mm. there's the Pasco mentions going back further but mm. we never actually see that I would love to see like Tom Cop go back in time and he starts like leaning over this like puddle of primordial goo it's like oh god okay form, form a protein form a protein <laughs> otherwise there's no human race please <laughs> love it like these amino, I, I'm trying to mix. Like he mixes the amino acids that yeah. start the the, fir, the first evolution. On you're, you're just such a Star Trek nerd. You just want to do the final episode of Star Trek again. Yes. <laughs> John Delancey shows up from Legend. It's like, oh, see what you did. Anyway, <laughs> you undid the primordial goop. Anyway, uh, that is it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back uh, in two weeks with another weird series. Whitney, why don't you introduce this one? Because I know very little about it. Uh, well, this is going to be our first foray, I believe, into the world of Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson uh, created a whole series of shows uh, in the, the 60s and I believe also the 70s, filmed in what they called Super Marionation. Uh, they're best probably known, probably best known for uh, Thunderbirds, uh, but they also did uh, Firebell XL5 mm. and um, many other shows besides. There's one I'm very fond of called Joe 90. Uh, and yeah, all the characters are puppets. They're puppet programs. Mm. And but the conceit is they're actually life life size people. So we cut to like close ups of human hands. But yeah, when we would see them uh, sitting at desks and they barely be moving their lips, but they're always like these fun kind of wild science fiction shows. And uh, one of the shows they did that only lasted one season was called The Secret Service. And the Secret Service was about uh, an MI6-like uh, British spy agency that had in their employ a very kindly old vicar who uh, would do spy things on the side, in addition to being a vicar, who was also a spy. That's the premise of the Secret Service. Awesome. We're going to be doing the Secret Service. I have next to no experience with uh, Jerry Anderson's oeuvre. Oh, I've seen an episode here and there, but I never really... The, you didn't see Thunderbirds Argo? I've, seen an, epi- I've yeah. seen an episode of Thunderbirds. Like, that's oh, it. Okay. I never really got into it. It wasn't on TV a lot when I was a kid, so I never oh. really... I mean, if it was, I never saw it. It was on know. public TV a lot as a kid. I and... just never came up. Yeah. I, I've seen very, very little of it, and I've never actually just sat down and watched an entire series of Jerry Anderson's. This is going to be real weird for me. Mm. Uh, if it isn't better than Lancelot Link, I'm going to be furious. Because Lancelot Link nearly killed us. <laughs> Lancelot Link was a really, really that's hard one, one of the one of the most painful shows mm. to sit through we've ever gone through, and that's saying oh, a lot. Oh no, no, this this is this is a far cry. I like, hope so. I- imagine like a kid friendly version of the Avengers, uh, the, the spy show. Not not the, the, the Avengers was kid friendly. I guess it was, but uh, yeah. a, a little bit more, uh, a little bit wilder, a little bit more Saturday morning. Okay, uh, and that's I, I think it's sort of like maybe the mindset to have when going into to Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Okay, um, 
also, also watch those Thunderbirds movies. There's two Thunderbirds movies, and they're both good. There's uh, okay. Thunderbirds Argo, and the second one, confusingly enough, is called Thunderbirds 6. Uh, that is very confusing. Well, the conceit of Thunderbirds is uh, the uh, the Tracy family, all these like handsome young brothers, mm-hmm. uh, control uh, are, are in charge of international rescue. They're like the Paw Patrol, uh-huh. and they each each one of them uh, controls a different Thunderbird, a different like uh, fantastical vehicle of some. It's kind. Voltron, basically. Well, they don't ever form together, but, but yeah, it's like Voltron. So there's there's the one in space. There's the satellite uh-huh. that's. Uh, sort of tracking all of them. But yeah, there's like a, a rocket ship that can get there fast. There's a big, huge green rescue ship that can like rescue a bunch of people. There's uh-huh. a water one. So it's Paw Patrol. Uh, and uh, more or less, uh, Paw Patrol is taking its cues sure. from Thunderbirds. Which is fine. And uh, the, the sequel movie is about how they need a, a they have five of them and they need uh-huh. a sixth one. So oh, so it's make, like the Bionic Six. They have to make a Thunderbird Six, which is a sixth Thunderbird machine. Bionic, Bionic Six. That's the, the Thunderbirds. I think that was Knight Rider. Well, that that's. It. Oh, I guess they're kind of Yeah, it's. Although Knight Rider actually stole its theme from like a ballet, I heard. Oh yeah, some played from a ballet. That's Thunderbirds. I was going with the Bionic Six, which was short-lived. I think it lasted too long for our for our show's purposes. But there was a short-lived it's animated a series. Terrible program. <laughs> it's, it was terrible. Amazing animation for the era. Go go online if you've never seen it before. Go online and just look up the opening credits for this '80s animated show called well, op- Bionic Six. The opening credits for these animated shows got a lot of attention, so they all look yeah. great. And then you get to the actual episode, and it's the, the, Bionic Six was better than most. But mm-hmm. like the the animation's really really cool, and it's basically like. The Fantastic Four, but if there were six of them and they had some adopted kids, like that's mm-hmm. basically it. But Bionic Six had a really catchy theme song uh, that I've had stuck in my head since like 1990. So there you go. Um, anyway, but that's it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for joining us. Big shout out to all of our patrons without whom our show would not exist. Uh, we were very, very grateful to you. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a lot of stuff that comes with it, including, uh, you can vote for future episodes of our shows. Uh, you can have episodes of all our yesterdays, the Star Trek show we mentioned Mm -hmm. where we review every single episode of Star Trek in order. You can listen to our show on that uh, horrible Nazi episode uh, by looking up in the history there. Uh, you, uh, We've got uh, only the best to review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. Uh, we do commentary tracks. We do uh, a couple of movie trivia nights with our patrons uh, every month. These are all available at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. If you would like to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, we would love to hear from you. The best way to do so is to email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of our show, We've Got Mail. If you'd prefer to send us a physical letter, you may do so. <laughs> Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, send it to uh, Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. We're also on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I myself am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. Meh. <laughs>